Hey guys, welcome to Rage Talk, my weekly show where I sit here, drink caffeine, and talk about random things. This week, I'm showing you my new guitar skills. Oh, and I'm talking about The Bad Vegan on Netflix. And lastly, telling you how to break up with a friend. Let's just go ahead and start at the top. I did it, cut it off. And if this is your first time here or you've memorized the length of my hair, Jack, I'm gonna need a side-by-side -side right here of what it looked like last time versus now. I chopped my hair. And by chopped, I mean I brought it right to here. Cause you may recall that um, Boo was a little sad about the idea of a haircut and he was like, oh, please don't. So I feel like I, we met in the middle, literally. I probably would have gone like a here moment, Jack, but just to, you know, here she is. She's sassy, she's new, she's fresh, she's ready for spring, she's ready for summer. And in an upcoming episode of this show, I'm gonna do something really exciting, Jack. I'm gonna wear my hair back. I know, I know, it's wild. What you don't understand because you don't have hair extensions is that when you have really long hair extensions, you can't wear it back or it hurts, it gives you a headache almost immediately. So um, one of my favorite parts about having short hair is the low bun slash hoop look. Um, so get ready. <laughs> Nobody's ready because nobody cares, but me, I care, I'm pumped. Um, but yeah, I got a haircut, I got, a new, they have to like take your extensions out and put new extensions in and it's a whole process and it takes approximately nine years and <sighs> I feel lighter, I feel brighter, I feel more like me, more aligned Jack, really. Um, it's basically like, remember that time I was wearing the crystal to align myself? Like this is the crystal now, my hair. Um, also the crystal, are you dying Jack? Are you dying for this necklace? Guys, my search for great vintage pieces continues and this is my latest find, okay? Right now you're like, okay, wow, that's a statement snake necklace. It is, it's from the 80s, but here's what you don't understand. Guys, are you ready? Are your hearts ready? Maybe I want, do I want like a longer, do I want like a, do I want like a bolo tie moment? because I can do that. Do I want it to be a belt? Do I want it to be um, like a choker? What do I want? What do I need? Whatever it is, it's here with this snake. And when I went into this vintage shop and I saw this in her case, she was like, oh, these are really cool. They're from the 80s. They use them as necklaces and belts. And um, whenever I get one, it it's here for like two seconds and someone steals it. So I stole it. I swiped it. I mean, I didn't really steal it. I paid actual money for it. But um, I'm in love with it. And I feel like, yeah, I can't see it now, Jack. I'm gonna assume, will you be my stylist? Like it looks good, you feel good about how it looks? <laughs> so I just got back from Nashville. Shout out to Nashville, shout out to Tennessee, I see you. For a minute, I almost lived in you. I did consider when I was moving from LA, I was trying to decide where we were gonna live and we considered Austin and Nashville and ended up here in Austin, which I love. But I do also appreciate all that Nashville has to offer. But I went to Nashville because I went to a songwriting conference, Jack. Songwriting. Now, 
flashback to several weeks ago when I told you guys that I was learning, did I tell them that? Okay, when I told you guys that I was learning how to write songs. So one of my goals in life as a writer is to write in as many categories as possible. Like someday I'll try poetry and screenplay and theater and whatever, but my latest thing is songwriting and I learn anything the same way I've learned everything. So when I wanted to write books, I just found every documentary, every book I could read, and every conference I could go to, and so I'm approaching songwriting the same way. So your girl rolled into Nashville and rolled into a songwriting conference. I can't even explain songwriters in Nashville. So I had watched my fair share of doc, now wait, hold on, did anyone watch the show Nashville? I didn't, I never saw that show. I'm sure it's wonderful. I think that's where a lot of people learned about, I don't know that world. I don't know why I just talk like a robot. But anyway, um, I started watching documentaries and I kept seeing people say the same thing over and over about songwriters in Nashville. They said, Nashville songwriters are one of the last like creative categories where the most successful people in the field still take time to teach the absolute newbies how to do what they're doing. And I saw that and I was like, well, that's beautiful. And like Southern people, oh man, I love this like town, whatever. And I went to a conference and watched that happen in real life. Like I literally cannot believe the people, there were only 150 people at this thing and I cannot believe the songwriters that were sitting on the stage. like. First of all, very few artists are actually writing their own songs, which I had no idea. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so naive. This whole time I thought like, man, that Brad Paisley, he is, and he is, but not by himself. And like every single person that you love, and you're like, oh, that's an amazing song that so-and-so wrote about his wife. No, he didn't. Some guy named Joe wrote that about his wife and then sold it to that person and that person recorded it, which is awesome. Cause it's like super collaborative and everybody works together. And I got to sit and listen to these people tell story after story where they'd be like, literally like, it, cause it's Nashville, they're like with a piano or they're like strumming a guitar and they're like, oh, one time I was like sitting at my house and I was like drinking, you know, whiskey. And then I was like, you know, I got friends in low places and they'll be like, like it was so insane, song after song. And I guess because I love country music, I was tripping out about these incredible writers. Um, there was a guy who spoke at this conference who has 58, Jack, 58 number one songs, 58. Right now, he is nominated for best song for Grammys in two categories, rock and country, what? And he's just like, oh, here's how I write a song. And in case you're wondering, if your girl rolls into a conference, I don't care if it's like auto mechanics, you know, how to write a song, how to write a book, where do you think I'm sitting? Where do you think I'm sitting, Jack? If you had to, you got it. I mean, I am, <laughs> I am down front. I am there 20 minutes early. I have my notebook. I've got my water. I'm ready. I, teacher, teach me, show me the way, let me understand. I'm taking notes. The first person who spoke was so amazing. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but he was so incredible. And you know, he gets to sort of like 45 minutes into, and he's like, does anyone have questions? And the room's crickets. And I'm like, 
He's like, oh, just there in the front. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you curious about? <laughs> but I like to think that I open up the floor for everybody because then everyone had questions. Jack, they were just too afraid to ask, but I will go first. So um, yeah, so I went to this conference and it was really fun and I'm taking guitar lessons because right now, my role in songwriting sessions, F oh, Jeffrey's here, of course, he's here barking at something. Right now, in my songwriting stuff, I'm writing lyrics and someone else is writing melody and music. And I'm like, if I could understand how to write melody and music, I basically am gonna be Lin-Manuel Miranda, guys. Uh, so I'm taking guitar lessons, and Jack, would you like to see what I know how to do so far? Oh, yeah. Okay. the guitar guys um first of all if you've never if you're not familiar with my story or if you haven't read books um I lost my older brother a really long time ago and he was an incredible musician and guitar was his main instrument and um I tried to take guitar lessons probably about 10 years ago or something and um honestly my fingers hurt so I gave up but this is the year where I stop being a weenie and I do scary things and I do things that are hard so I'm I literally literally still have indentions in my fingers from practicing this morning because it hurts because still strings really freaking hurt are any of you guitar players do you know you can tell me how long it's going to be until i get the calluses and my fingers stop hurting i'd love to know i have my brother's guitar and then i have some of his picks and i went and pulled this out the other day because this was one of ryan's picks and it's so cool it has teeth marks in it because my brother on who tune would hold it in his mouth and do that. And when I pulled it out the other day, I like started crying because I thought, oh my God. I mean, he's been gone 22 years, I think. And um, the idea that, no, 25 years, it's been a long time. He's been gone a long time. And the fact that I have something that has like his teeth marks in it. I'm, I'm sorry if you think that's weird. I thought it was so cool. So here's what I know how to do, everyone. Get ready. I think that's E minor. I'm not sure, but I know that's a chord I've been working on. Here it is again. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, I can play the strings. I can tune my guitar. Do you know that there are apps, Jack, where you can tune your guitar? It's so crazy. And then this is E major, I think, or something, but I never get this one quite right. Oh, that wasn't too bad. See, that's when you're not holding your fingers right. I'm gonna work on that. More soon. I didn't say it was good. I just said I knew how to do some things. And so far I can tune and play two chords. I can't wait until like we have this as a flashback and then I'm like Honestly, I tried to take lessons from an adult. I don't know why I said adult. Like as opposed to taking them from a child. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I tried to take guitar lessons, and honestly, I did one lesson. I kind of felt like I'm in, it's gonna be the same thing as last time where I left this lesson, I felt totally confused about what I was doing, and I was like, well, that sucked, and I don't really know anything. Honestly, didn't wanna do another lesson. I wasn't that excited, and I was like, God, this sucks. Like, I'm never really gonna be into this because it's not fun to me. And then, I was watching YouTube videos about like, manifesting or being at a higher vibration because I'm cool like that and I got served an ad 
And the ad that I got served, probably because I've been looking up guitar stuff on YouTube, was an ad for an app that teaches you to play guitar. So what I'm telling you is not an ad. Uh, honestly, I always feel like I want to say that because I don't want you to think I'm saying this because someone gave me money to do it. I don't know these people at all. But I got served an ad on YouTube for an app that's called Simply Guitar. And as far as I can tell, this app is teaching me to play guitar as if I'm learning how to play Guitar Hero. Do you guys remember that game? It like gamifies learning. I already downloaded Simply Piano. I didn't even know I was going to learn how to play piano, but now I am Jack because I'm over here killing it at Simply Guitar. I've made it through two lessons, so watch out. So I'm practicing every single day for at least 10 minutes because that's what I heard, especially in the beginning. Look at my, can you just, we, can you see my fingertips? I look like I'm blessing you and also with you. Yeah, someone tell me when this stops. Someone tell me when I'll have calluses. I did hear that I could get lighter strings, which I got from Amazon, but I'm gonna have to watch another YouTube video to figure out how to put those on. And should I be concerned at all that the, like if I undo a string that it's gonna pop and explode and hurt me? No? Do you know that for sure or are you just taking a guess? For sure. Okay. Have you done that with a guitar before you've taken the strings off? Yeah. Okay. You play guitar? Someone asked the other day, someone asked in a comment if they were going to see a picture, that they're going to see Jack. Jack's been around, man. He's been in videos. He's been at conferences. I feel like if you haven't seen him, he's back in hiding now. If you haven't ever heard me talk about it on podcasts before, I have a hotline where people can call in and ask questions or tell me something that's happening in their life or share some good news. It's awesome. It's been around for a long while. And I use the ideas from that hotline to create podcast episodes. I thought it would be fun if I answered one of those questions here on Rach Talk. So, Nicole, will you just play one at random and then I will, I shall answer whatever I hear. Hi Rachel, my name is Sarah. I wanted to get some advice on how to break up, I guess, with a friend or friends. I know you've talked about how you know when to end the relationship, more in like the romantic sense, um, but I'm having trouble with wanting to cling on to friends that I've known for 20-something years, but I know they're no longer good for me, for the person I am now, and I'm struggling with how to let them go, and I'm just wondering any advice you might have about them. Thank you so much. Bye. Where to even begin? How to break up with friends. Now, I am going to be totally honest. I, for most of my life, and even still have a bit of this today, I'm not super confrontational. And the older I get, the more I understand that an unwillingness to be confrontational, not in a mean way or an aggressive way, but an unwillingness to face what's going on gets me into trouble again and again and again. So when it comes to people in your life that you know in your heart of hearts should not be there, as much as it sucks, I think that you have to approach it the same way you would approach breaking up with a romantic relationship. Now, the first thing I would say, because we were actually chatting about this uh, this morning, that you give someone at least the chance to make it right. So one of the people on our team was saying that they had a friend who the friend really only ever reached out, only called, only 
um, was friends with them when they needed or wanted something. When they were coming to town and they wanted a place to stay or when they wanted to listen to them complain or to vent. And they realized they'd been friends with them for a really long time, but they realized like that friend doesn't ever actually give anything back to me. They just take. Um, it's sort of like a vampire that's just sucking life out of you, but they don't ever return that. It, it's absolutely normal to have a relationship where there are seasons where one of you um, maybe needs a little extra support and love as long as it flips back in the other direction. It shouldn't um, just sort of constantly be like this. So he felt like it was necessary to tell that friend, I, I can't do this anymore. And I think in that instance, or if you have something similar and you feel like there are redeeming qualities to your friend, it's worth just saying, here's what I'm having issue with, or saying to that person, you know what, I feel like this is a little bit one-sided and I'm not gonna reach out to check on you anymore. If you want to be friends, you're going to reach out to me and we're gonna sort of take it from there. So you give the person a chance to make it right because honestly, it's possible that they don't know how they're behaving or maybe they've never seen a healthy relationship modeled so they're not even sure how you're supposed to be friends with someone. They're just kind of doing what they've always seen or maybe what they were taught. So giving them a chance if that feels appropriate and if it doesn't, man, it sucks, but I think you have to be honest. Look, I absolutely have times where I have just sort of stopped communicating with people. Like I will, I've totally done the thing where um, I, I have people who are like, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in life. If you know a friend or if you have a friend who's like constantly like, oh my, we should totally hang out. Like I would just love to, I would love to see you. Oh my gosh, I just, I wanna see you, let's do something. And you're like, okay, when, what day? I got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the next three weeks. Do any of those work for you? I can do 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., any time slot in there. And they're like, we should definitely, let me circle back, I'm gonna talk. Like those people who are always talking about how they want to, but they never do. One of my biggest pet peeves, those people I just let go. Cause I guarantee you stop reaching out to people and you watch how, how small your friend circle gets real fast. But the beauty of that is what's left behind are the people who actually show up at value matter to your life. So that's one thing. Um, I only have one instance in my life where I broke up with a friend. And to be honest, it was still in a time of my life where I was like very non-confrontational but I just got so frustrated and so fed up that I used my anger as a, um, like a catalyst to just have a hard conversation. And I just said to her like, this is not okay. I do not, like I, I'm not okay with the way this is going. I'm not okay with the way that you're behaving and it's time for us to part ways. And I wish you well, sending you all the love and all the light, but I don't want to be part of this anymore. And in that instance, she was an Enneagram eight, if you know what that means. And um, she didn't wanna, she was like ready for a fight. She was ready for an argument. And I just, once I said my piece, I was done. Um, I, I'm not gonna engage. I'm not gonna keep going through that conversation. It's just, it's done. And I think you know that relationship with your friend best. Um, so I, I don't know, it's like, it's hard because I don't know the context. Like if this person is a super jerk, 
throw a deuce up and and bounce, right? But if this person is someone you love, but it's just not appropriate or maybe they're triggering you in ways like sometimes our friends from a different period of our life, like a period in college where we used to drink a lot or like party or do whatever and now you're trying to make different choices, but you still have those friends that whenever you get around them, you're sort of triggered back into that way of behavior. That's really dangerous. And so I think as hard as it is, you just have to have the courage to have a tough conversation. I love you. I wish you well. This has nothing to do with you. But for where I'm going in my life, I can't sort of step back into this behavior. I'm curious. You know what's weird, guys, is we have gotten so many, I don't even know the number, but so many voice notes lately asking about friends like how do I make friends or um, what do I do if my friend's toxic or how do I break up with a friend and I'm like so curious what's going on in the world that this feels like like is that yeah what do you think it's like COVID pandemic like why do you feel like friendship is like a harder thing right now I'm asking some gals in their 20s in case you're wondering why I'm looking over here Jack doesn't have friends so he can't help I'm your only friend right Right now. People are very flaky right now. I totally agree. I think as we get older too, like I think our, for our age at least, our circles starting to become smaller. And yeah. Smaller, you know? Well, I guess that's an interesting thing. Does a smaller circle scare you or feel bad or wrong mm -hmm. or? It gives me a little more comfort. Yeah, it should. A small circle, man. That's all I want. People have like 10,000 friends or like 50 friends. Honestly, when I started dating Boo. I asked this question, like, how many people are in your circle? Because in my close circle of friends, there's three. You know them. You, I talk about them all the time. They've been on here continuously. Could flash pictures right now of us being cute, Jack. Literally three. That's what I got. And I was like, how many people are in your circle? And because of the industry he's inside of and he's worked with so many people for years, he's like, God, okay, like, tight, tight circle? 25 um just like a little bit larger than that 150 and I was like what and he's like like people that like know for a fact that if they were broken down on the side of the road that I would come and pick them up like yeah like 150 and I was like oh my lord I am stressed out. That is so many people. God bless, because he really is that person that you could have not talked to him for five years and he would come and get you. But no, I'm good. I got three. We're solid. I don't, I'm not trying to add. Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to add. Should I be trying to add? I don't know. No, no I feel good about, I feel good about what's happening. Also, I'm very conscious of the fact that my shirt has a hole in it. And that's the vibe of the shirt. You can't see the back, but there's more holes. And I just feel the need to talk about it right now in case someone is like, Rachel doesn't know she has a hole in her shirt. I do. It was a look. It's from free people. You know what they like to do. They like to make a shirt, cut a thousand scratches into it, and then charge you $500. That's the vibe. And this isn't new. This is very old because I don't buy new clothes. <laughs> Hey, if you are digging this episode or if you've watched more than one, maybe you just subscribe to my channel or hit the little bell so you get a notification every single time we post a new episode. I like hanging out with you. I hope you like hanging out with me. Let's make this official. Oh my God. Oh my. Have you guys seen 
bad vegan. Okay, I realize that for some weird reason, all I do is tell you documentaries to watch. I don't know how, I mean, that's all I watch, but so that's all I got to tell you. Okay, let me paint a picture. So I had been on spring break with my kids and I had taken them to Hawaii, just the five of us. So me and four children, which was so much fun. We honestly had the best time. Side note, weirdly I had no idea, but my oldest boys are really into 90s country. Once you give me a side, I'll give anything that you buy on mine. I'll do your bit and be at your beck and call. Do you know it, Noah? If they were like, we started a nonprofit helping children, I don't know that I could feel more pride and joy than them telling me that they were listening to 90s country. Like, how crazy. That is the music of my childhood. And they proved it by, they were like, oh, do you know this song? And I was like, do I know this song? Do I know it? I don't know, bro. Did you record the video on a VHS tape and watch it with Aunt Linda while you were brushing her hair? Cause I did. That just sounded weird, but I did like to brush Aunt Linda's hair when I was a little girl. Anyway, so I'm in Hawaii by myself with the kids. So much fun, but also a lot of work. It's, it takes, you know, eight hours and the, the whole thing to get there and bleh. I come back, okay? They go to be with their dad. I'm by myself. Okay, Boo's working. I'm here, no one around. And I haven't been alone without the kids in this house. I can't, I can't even tell you the last time I was in my home without my children here on, on, a, on a night. It was like a Saturday night, Jack. So I says, I says to myself, what are we gonna do? Okay, you could do anything, go anywhere. And I did, it was South By, South By Southwest, a big like festival here in Austin. And I had passes and my name was on lists and I could go and do the thing. I'm like, you can do anything. What are you gonna do? Salad, refried beans, chips from Torchies. It's delicious. And I'm gonna watch some Netflix, okay? So I open up Netflix, I'm like, what do you have to offer me? And I see a, a thing for something called Bad Vegan. And I'm like, I'm not that interested in this because I'm like, I don't really care about a vegan. I didn't, but I, I can't find anything. You know when you do that thing where you're like, I just spent 20 minutes watching trailers for things that I didn't watch, it's annoying. I don't want to give up on my vision for this moment. So I'm like, I'll just watch a trailer for the show, Bad Vegan. She had to perform a series of tests. He promises her that he is going to make Sarma and her dog immortal. It's a complete madness. You know about the meat suit? What is the meat suit? Oh no. The trailer definitely made me say, yes, I will. Cause um, I have a weird, if there is a, if there's a documentary series about someone starting a cult or getting really, really deep into a specific niche um, and it going awry, I've seen it. Like I've seen them all, I've, I've watched them all and do you know what it's about, Jack? Holy. There's this gal in New York in like early 2000s maybe? Does that sound right? Okay, who starts a vegan restaurant. It's one of the first vegan restaurants in New York. And the restaurant's like really successful and all the celebrities go to it and it's great. She seems great and her staff loves her. And then she meets a guy on Twitter. You told me you wanted happily ever after. If I tell you to take all your money out of the bank and light it on fire, do it. 
I, I literally, when I was watching it, because I knew I would have to talk to you guys about this because I was freaking out. And if you have seen it, please comment below because there's no way you also were not freaking out. I started like videoing myself watching it, but I looked so hideous that day, Jack, and I like wasn't wearing a bra, you know, cause it's just like here and whatever. And I was like, well, this footage is never gonna see the light of day. <laughs> Stop. Stop. You know what? It basically was just me watching my computer like, no, what? Stop. And then I knew no way Boo will watch this. This is not his, he wants to believe people are good. He wants to go listen to some birds chirp in the backyard. He refuses to watch these kind of like crazy documentaries things with me. And so I'm like, I need someone else. If I had known you watched it, you would have gotten a call from me on a weekend. It would have been inappropriate. I need someone to watch this. I literally sent a text to my 15 year old son. And I said, and I quote, I went through 52 hours of labor with you and I'm only asking one thing in return. It is that you watch episode one so that I can have someone to talk about this with. And he was like, geez, mom, calm down. I'm like, no, I can't be calm. I can't carry on. This got, it's so well done, Jack. Oh my gosh, please watch it. I don't think there's anything inappropriate in it. Just like full on, it's real. You're like, how? Did you see the Fire Festival documentaries? Okay, it's that kind of thing where you're like, no way people will keep falling for this. This poor woman, you're like, there is no way this chick is gonna fall for, nope, she just, oh, you giving her more money? Okay, great. And then at the end, did you see to the very end when it was kind of like, wait a minute, what? Holy, it is so good, you guys. Oh, if I mean, it's like sort of like, Tiger King vibes where you're like, that's not true. It's true. It's vegan, bad vegan. Netflix needs to start giving me some money. They're like, if we're not giving you money. You just keep talking about it for free. All right, guys, I hope that this episode made you laugh. I hope you were very impressed by my guitar playing skills. And until I see you next week, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. Hey guys, it's Rach, and this is a quick word on commitment. All right, it's really easy to get excited about a new idea. It's really easy to get excited about a new goal, to envision a better life for yourself, to think that it would be great to learn how to play guitar or to speak French or to train for a half marathon, whatever it is that you imagine doing with your life. It's really easy to get excited about what could be. I think that a lot of disappointment happens for us when we think about it a lot, when we dream about it a lot, when we talk about it a lot, but we don't actually do anything. Like right now, I guarantee there is something in your life that you have wanted to do for a long time, that if you work to find the time, you could, and that you have the means, whether that's the resources, the time, the money to invest in, you know, getting singing lessons, whatever it is, that you actually have the ability to do this thing. So why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you taking steps to reach that goal? Now, look, there are all sorts of things that affect this. There are seasons in our life. There is a question about, you know, do you even have the energy? Do you have the mental capacity to take on something new? There's 
what happens to us on the other side of going through a global pandemic or still sort of being inside of a global pandemic that we're unsure, we're uncertain, we feel stuck. We don't want to make any choices. We don't want to get involved in anything because what if I commit to something and then the world turns upside down again, right? Or there's the voice in the back of your head that tells you all of the reasons that you're going to suck. Oh, don't don't even try because you're going to quit or don't even try because you're going to fail or don't even try because they're going to laugh. There's a million reasons why we don't. But what about the thing that you are really passionate about that you think would be really fun, that you know would be good for your life or incredible for your business and you just don't do it. I heard this line years ago and I happened to find it recently in an old journal of mine, this line that I wrote down, and I love it. And I want to share it with you because when I heard it for the first time, I thought about it all day and I had to ask myself some real questions. The line that I heard or the question that I heard was, are you interested or are you committed? Because if you're interested in something, you'll talk about it. If you're interested in something, you'll research it. You'll tell your friends. You'll cast a vision. You'll daydream. You may even put it on a vision board. You make a Pinterest board. You do all sorts of things about what you're interested in. But if you're committed, you do it. It's not a question. You know, I used to eat fast food all the time. I grew up on fast food. I still love it. Like in my brain, I want to go to Taco Bell right now and order everything on the left side of the menu. I would kill to eat McDonald's french fries. Like delicious. There is no world where I would eat fast food today. I just it's not It's not even possible. Yes, of course, it's possible if I'm starving on a desert island and someone gives me like a quarter pounder, I'm about to go, right? But I am committed to my health. I am committed to eating things that love me back, right? I'm committed to making good choices. And it doesn't mean that I don't have cake and I don't have queso, but it does mean that there are some things that are non-negotiable for me. I just, I, it's, it's not even in my realm of possibility to go have food from the drive-thru or to go have a soda filled with sugar. It's just not my thing. It's not my thing to drink to get drunk. Like I'm 39. I got four kids. I got to wake up within the morning. I am committed to this version of myself. When I was 21, would I have gotten absolutely housed and been hung over the next day? Yes, absolutely. I did all kinds of stupid crap when I was 21, but I'm committed to a different lifestyle now. So if you're wondering why, when you know that you should, I'm using air quotes, when you know that you should do something, but you don't, when you're wondering why, it's because you're not really committed to that vision. Uh, there's a great like Jocko Willink quote, if you guys know Jocko. He's this ex-Navy SEAL. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's super badass. And he has this quote years ago, he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast and someone, I don't know if it was Tim had asked or someone had asked like, how can I be tougher? And he just point blank was like, you just be tougher. You want to be tough? Start being tougher. It's like the simplest thing, the most obvious thing. And also it just resonates so deeply with me. If you want to be tougher, Start doing stuff that's more difficult. Stop talking yourself out of it. Stop making excuses. Just go. 
It's like my commitment at the beginning of this year, I decided I'm going to stop being such a weenie. I'm going to do stuff that scares me. And I've already done so many things in March that I can't believe I've done. Ran a marathon without training, went zip lining, jumped into the ocean in England in the middle of January, got dental work done. That was terrifying, but I did it. Like I'm doing all of these things because I'm like, just be tougher. So if you want to achieve the goal, you got to stop talking about it. You got to stop being interested. You have to commit yourself. You got to commit. And if you don't want to commit or you're not in a place where you can or it's not that season for you, oh my gosh, no worries, no pressure, no stress. Tell yourself like, okay, not right now. I'm interested in it now, but I'm going to be committed to it later. But it's better to understand what's really happening than to think like, oh, I just don't have it or I'm just not you know, ready or fill in the blank. If you can make it that cut and dry, you're interested or you're committed. And there's no shame in either one of those choices. But if you keep pursuing something and you find that it's not really happening, I just want you to be real. I want you to ask yourself a tough question. If you were committed to this thing, like you were committed to your marriage, like you were committed to taking care of your babies, like you were committed to your faith, well, you wouldn't slack off on it. You wouldn't bow out on it. You wouldn't find reasons to not do it. You'd be all in. So that's a choice that you have to make. Are you interested or are you committed? Because there's a big difference. Okay, guys, that was a quick word with me, your friend, Rach. If you felt like it was helpful, please send this to someone that you think needs to hear it today. And until I chat with you again, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.